Hello and welcome to Yes, You Are Brave. This is a podcast where we are going to set off on a journey together to find and build our brave, where we explore all the ways that you have been brave and all the ways that you can be brave again. Because even though we may have forgotten or we may have fallen out of practice, we're all brave. And I'm on a mission to prove it and help you believe that yes, you are brave. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Yes, You Are Brave. I'm Pawnee. I'm your host. Super duper excited that you are here today. Let's jump in and talk brave. So today I want to talk to you about about a ship, okay, and what it would mean, what have meant for this ship had somebody had the nerve, had been brave enough to question the king and his, his wisdom and his authority. So today we are going to talk about being brave enough to call out the king. Okay. And let's, let's back up and let's talk about this story. So I've already, I recorded this already, but it was really, really boring and dry. So we're going to do another version of it way more fun. So a couple years ago, I had the opportunity to visit the Vasa Museum in Stockholm, Sweden. Now, if you're ever there, take the time, go. It's amazing. It's awesome. So the Vasa, the Vasa is a ship. It was a, a Swedish warship that was built in the 1620s, okay? And the reason it's famous is the reason that a lot of ships are famous. And that's not necessarily a good thing. It was famous because it sunk, okay? And not just because it sunk, but then it was later, they were later able to bring it up from the bottom of the, the sea and they were able to, you can see it. You can go see it. It's most of it is original, all these things. Okay. So tiny backstory on the Vasa. That's like what it is. Okay. It's what it actually is. So the Vasa was a warship. Okay. It was supposed to be a warship. It was also, um, so it was commissioned by the king. This guy starts building it. The king gives him these, these specifications of how he wants this ship built, right? It's supposed to be this tall. It's going to have two gun decks, all of these different things. Well, he starts to build it, and apparently there was a little bit of back and forth about the size that it should be. Um, the king kind of wanted it medium size, but he, only, he had the lumber for the big and the small, not the medium, so they went with the big ship. And it, this was supposed to be, they were currently, at the time, they were fighting some war, so it was supposed to be kind of like this big, awesome flagship. It was supposed to be really intimidating, all these things, right? Um, so it gets partway through the construction of this ship, He's going back and forth with the king saying, I don't, you know, this probably won't work. The king's like, no, this is how I want it. And partway through the construction, um, the original designer, the original guy that was, was building the ship gets sick of something and dies. So somebody else takes over the construction of this ship. Okay. Now when he takes it over, he's like, this is not big enough. He widens the ship a little bit and continues this construction, although it's still not the best build. Now I looked up a lot of, I did quite a bit of research on this to kind of make sure that I wasn't totally wrong. And I am taking a few liberties here, but there were so many people that knew that this ship was not going to be what it needed to be. It was too heavy, too high up. It was too tall and the, the weight was not distributed correctly for it to be able to go kind of back and forth and ride itself on the, on the sea. So the second guy takes over and he starts, um, 
He makes a few adjustments, but it's kind of far into the construction. He can't really do a whole lot to change this ship, but he just kind of keeps building, does the best he can. And at that time, there wasn't tons of precision in building like there is today. It was more of an art, less of a science. And it was expected that they were going to have to do some, make some changes eventually, right? That we would get it out to see, see how it worked. And there was always a few adjustments. That's kind of how they built things at the time. However, as I did more and more research, I realized that there was more and more people aware of how not seaworthy this ship was. Um, in fact, one of the people, I don't know if it was a captain, but there were several people, they decided to do a test. So the, it was out of dry dock. It was on the water, but it wasn't like out in the water. And they did a test where they had 30 men on board the ship and they were running from back and forth to kind of simulate a, a wave, I guess you would say. And just, just to see how it would, you know, if it was able to, if it rocked easily and riding itself. They were supposed to do five or six different passes. They stopped them after three because it just was not sound. It was pitching way too much. And they're like, this is not going to work. And apparently the king wasn't even around at the time he was off doing something. And they kept riding and he kept pushing to, for the ship to get, to get put out to sea, for the ship to join all the stuff that was going on. And there were a lot of people, there were quite a few people that were like, this is not going to work. Um, also, one of the things that ended up happening was there was two gun decks and instead of lighter guns on the top, and heavier guns on the bottom, there were heavier guns on both both decks. So there's all these things that went into this this particular their ship. A lot of red flags that were kind of ignored. Not kind of, they were ignored. Because nobody had, I don't know if it was necessarily just the bravery or the, the courage to, to call out the king. But they also didn't have the social position and the authority to call out the king of the time. So the result, right? The result of this, this ill-constructed boat, right? First of all, it was too big, it was too heavy, it was too tall. Not that it was any one of those things was the problem. There was all these things that were the problem. So it gets to be the maiden voyage, right? Like I said, most ships that are really famous are not famous because they did what was supposed to, they were supposed to, right? The Vasa is no exception. The Vasa, they get it done. It's time to set sail. And they put a lot of people on it crew and some of their family because apparently that was a thing on maiden voyages had the family join them for like they would go down to like the next port or something not very far but it's kind of a celebration thing and then get off the vasa is being kind of like helped out of you know out into the water and they estimate it was about 1300 meters from where it left the dock the vasa started taking on what it started pitching in the wind and took on water because the the, the cannon ports um, were open and took on water and it sank. Okay, not the best day for the Vasa. It sank. And so I, I've thought a lot about this since I visited this, this museum. And like I said, it's awesome now. It was at the bottom of this, um, this part of the sea for over 300 years. After 333 years, they were able to bring it up for a process that took a couple of years actually to bring it up. Um, they brought it back up in the 60s and then they spent almost 20 years spraying it with this foam stuff to treat the wood so that it wouldn't, um, wouldn't just like crack 
and and all these things it's really fascinating if you ever get a chance to go go also watch the video that's there because it's amazing so they they now have this building that has been built around the ship and you can go you can walk in you can see it um now this was had the potential to be a huge huge tragedy there were 300 over 300 people on board most of them all things considered um, made it out they say they lost between 30 and 50 people died um, that were not able to get off of the ship most people um, were able to get off the ship there was boats that because all the other thing thousands of people were watching this ship because it was supposed to be this big huge awesome amazing flagship right so they all these people watched it sink so how do we relate this to our lives why am i telling you the story about this ship that sank 400 years ago in sweden I want to talk about having the, the courage and being brave enough to call out the king. And I use that term very loosely and I want you to think personally, who's the king in my life and who do I need to call out for this is not going to work, this is not right, there are too many red flags. Um, it may very well be yourself, to be perfectly honest. It may be yourself that you need to say, okay, is this actually going to work? Am I ignoring red flags? Okay, because what happens when we ignore red flags? What happens when we say, you know what, this is this, I don't think this is going to work. We ignore our gut, our intuition, and we say, nope, it's going to work, right? This, this is the picture that I have in my head. This is what I want. It's going to work. We're going to make it work. What's the result? Now, sometimes we do, we get it out till we make it out to sea and we make it work. Like I said, in the research that I did about the Vasa, it was actually pretty common practice at the time when you built ships to, you get out on the sea and then they had to make adjustments to them, right? They would go out on a voyage, they would come back and they would make adjustments to make sure that they actually worked in the water. Uh, again, there wasn't this, it wasn't a science. So the expectation of them fixing things, right? Yes, any endeavor we go on, anything we go into, there's going to be some adjustments. There's going to be some things that we have to fix. But are the things that we're ignoring, that we're saying, oh, I'll fix it later, how big are they? How big are they and how much work are they going to re require us to put in? And is it even going to be possible? Is it even going to be possible to fix those things at a later date? So with the Vasa, there was, of course, an inquisition or whatever after it sunk. The king wanted somebody to blame and um, all the stuff said they were just kind of basically looking for a scapegoat, right? So, and everybody, that's when it came out. Some of them, they're like, well, we did this test, you know, the test where they were trying to rock the ship and see how much it, it pitched from side to side. And it didn't seem sound to us. And all these things came out of like, well, I tried to do this. And it was basically everybody had done the best that they possibly could. And the blame ultimately got placed on the guy who was the original builder, the original designer of the ship, basically because I think, honestly, because he was dead. Um, he was dead. He wasn't there to defend himself. They needed a scapegoat. There you go. But here's the other thing. That guy got his measurements and everything that was supposed to be on this ship. He got directly from the king. Okay, everything was approved by the king, sent to him by the king. And so was it really his fault or was he just doing what the king told him to do? Now, when you are going forward in your life and you've got all these things going on, I want you to stop and I want you to think about whose voice am I listening to? Am I listening to this king that's telling me exactly what I should do or what I should 
be or how I should build this thing, even though he doesn't necessarily know everything that I know, I'm pretty sure that the king of Sweden at the time did not know a whole lot about shipbuilding. Let's be real. He probably didn't know that much about shipbuilding, but he's the one that decided how big this ship was going to be and all these things that it was going to have, including how many guns. And so the other people below him were just kind of left to make this ship work according to the king's idea. So what is it in your life that maybe there's a king, and like I said, the king's voice may be your own. It may be this idea or this this thought or this picture that you have in your mind that you're just dead set on, right? For example, so there's, there's so many ways that we can, there's so many examples of this. One of the things that comes to mind, so I my original career was, was teaching, right? I went into teaching. I was a history teacher. I taught for a couple years, and I really felt like I was supposed to be a teacher for those two and a half years. And then after I left that first place that I taught, I didn't really feel like I was supposed to teach necessarily. I could if I wanted to, but I didn't feel like that was like my calling after that particular time in my life. But I had spent a lot of time getting a teaching degree. Um, I'd spent a lot of time. I'd spent a lot of effort. I'd spent quite a bit of money. Degrees are not cheap. All the tests that you have to take to become a teacher are not cheap. There's tons of hoops and it was really hard to say, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. It was super duper hard. Now, I knew in my gut that I didn't want to teach anymore. The teaching really wasn't for me. However, it kind of fit with the picture that I had for my life, though. I wanted to travel. I wanted to have the freedom to do all these things. And guess what? As a teacher, you have three months off in the summertime. You can go travel. You can. You have Christmas off. You have a, a spring break. There's all these things you can fit in travel in a lot of different places. And I had a lot of friends. Um, I knew lots of people that, that did that, and that's what I wanted. And so I went back into there with this this picture in my head, this idea that I was going to go back to teaching, and I was going to love it because I had liked it before. I had loved it before. I was going to go in, and if, maybe if I didn't love it, I would like it. I would make it work because guess what? I got would get to travel. And <laughs> those first couple of ye- those first couple of years when I was back at teaching, back teaching there were all kinds of red flags. So many red flags, so many things. My gut telling me this is not really where you want to be. And I just kept ignoring them and I kept pushing forward. I kept pushing forward. Oh, if I just do this, if I just do that, it's going to be better. It's going to be fine. And guess what? Ultimately, it was, was not the place for me. So it took a lot to then turn around and say, okay, I'm going to leave teaching and, and not have this thing anymore. And for you, maybe maybe it's not a career. Maybe it is a career. Maybe it's just a job. Maybe you've taken a job and there's all these red flags and you're realizing that your boss is horrible or that you hate what you're doing. I've done that a couple of times. Took a job in customer service on the phone. And then I realized, wait a minute, I hate talking on the phone. <laughs> there were so many red flags about why I that was a bad choice for me. And I ignored most of them. And I went and I spent three months almost three months working at that job, being completely, totally miserable before I realized this isn't for me. So if it's a job for you, if it's a career for you, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's the direction that your life is going. I don't know what it is, but you know what it is. Are you ignoring 
your red flags? Are you ignoring those warning signs? Are you testing out the little things and finding that they're not working? And you're like, oh, well, we'll just, we're just going to go ahead and do this, right? The other thing that they found out about the Vasa in the things, in some of the excavation and stuff that they had done, they did, um, was really interesting. Apparently, the Swedish, the Swedish foot and the Dutch foot, I guess, like lengths of measurement, they're different. And they found that there, so there were different crews building different sides of the ship, right? And they realized that one crew on one side of the ship was using the Swedish was using the Swedish foot and I think the Swedish and the other crew was using the Dutch foot which one of them is 12 inches and one of them is 11 inches another problem so how to wrap this up I want you to be brave enough this week to call out the king whoever the king is even if it's a voice in your own mind and say if there's all these red flags if there's all of these things that you have noticed that aren't necessarily right, you need to call them out. You need to say, this is not, this is a red flag. This is a problem. What are we going to do about this? How do we fix this before we put this ship on the ocean? We put this ship out to sea and it sinks. Because like I said, ships are not famous because they actually did what they were designed to do, generally speaking. And in my research too, you know what else I discovered? Most warships... They were only lasted, they said they lasted about 30 to 50 years, like 50 years was a really long time for a ship, a really old ship. They said guns usually went through like five or six different, like the life of the guns on the ship, like the cannons and stuff, was way longer than the ships. So a lot of times ships got their guns from other ships that had been decommissioned and were no longer able to be on the sea. So that was something interesting that I thought that this most of the at the time, the life of a ship was really not that long. The Vasa has had a much longer life because of where it sank, specifically the type of water and the temperature of the water preserved it, all these things. But it's only famous because it was a massive, massive disaster and a disaster that got preserved. So also that's something to think about when you have this idea of where you're going or what you want, do you want to be a famous disaster or do you want to be a successful ship that is seaworthy, that carries people where it's supposed to go and you do exactly what you're designed to do and maybe you have some hiccups, but you're not famous because you sank on your maiden voyage less than a mile from where you you left. So, that is all. I, that's what I have for you this week. I hope that you can be brave enough to call out the king, even if it's your own voice. And think about those things that are coming up. Listen to your gut. Okay, listen to your intuition. You know way more than you think you do. And I know that sometimes it can be hard to say, oh, you know what? This is not the way that it should be. We need to, we need to fix some things. That can be hard and that can be a lot of work. But is it... Is the outcome of putting in more work going to be better or worse than the outcome of just plowing ahead with a ship that is not seaworthy and having it sink? So think about those things. This is very much an introspective. 
This is very introspective, this episode, things I'm asking you to think about and be brave about. But you are, you are worth the effort, my friend. You are worth the effort. You are amazing. You are wonderful. You are brave, even if it doesn't feel like it. And you know what? I know that it's hard to stand up to the king, especially if that king is you. Sometimes the hardest person to stand up to is yourself and prove to yourself that you can actually change direction. But you don't have to stick with something just because you have spent a lot of time and effort getting to that point. Okay? I didn't have to stick with being a teacher just because I spent a lot of time and money becoming a teacher. They did not have to put that ship on the, on the water just because they had spent a lot of time and effort putting it together. You don't have to stick with something just because you've spent a lot of time and effort getting there. And you don't have to listen to a king who doesn't actually know what the heck they're talking about. You get to be the captain of your own life and your own ship. You're amazing. You're wonderful. I love you and I believe in you that yes, you are brave enough to call out the king. Have a fantastic day. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed what you've heard today, please leave a review down below and share this with anyone that you feel like could use a little more brave in their life. And if you'd like to follow more of my journey to be brave, you can follow me on social media and the link down below. Have a fantastic day and don't forget to be brave.